Okay, so nice chill intro was not the intention. I had hoped by now to have my technical difficulties worked out, but unfortunately, this is becoming a more drawn-out process between myself and the supplier of my computer that I use to do my editing in uh, my music software. <clears throat> Currently, they have shown me great technical support. However, uh, that was not capable of resolving the issue so we'll be waiting a little bit longer to have that interview with the twitch streamer that i mentioned from my previous episode um, i am looking forward to delving into the whole microtransaction situation and how gaming has been led down this road of what i consider to be false pretenses um, i don't think it's a good idea in general uh, to incentivize certain behavior within video games because the whole point of a game is to experience it for yourself. And that's just one of the aspects of the topic that I intend to get into on the next podcast. This current podcast is going to take a little personal turn. Um, currently had some bizarre situations unfold. I had a situation that uh, very potentially could have ruined my current livelihood that allows me to be able to reach out to others. And I got shaken by it, uh, really down to my core, shaken. I think it's unfortunate that in today's society, intention has no bearing. You could literally be trying to do the right thing and be chastised for it in in the public eye. Uh, simply because you aren't benefiting the status quo or towing the company line. Uh, I think that's a false approach. I also think it's a failure of overall leadership. I think that today in our society, we've gotten away from what true leadership qualities are. Uh, empowerment is just a catchphrase. Something that's used to make people feel better about their lack of control. And it doesn't actually identify what empowerment is, especially from a leadership perspective. I think leadership qualities are very specific they require you to be charismatic in a way that allows people to be drawn to you and not necessarily for any particular reason that they know but just literally drawn to you for whatever reason that may be it gives you the ability to captivate an audience and once you've captivated an audience where you take it from there is what displays true leadership skills. Because if you have the ability to, then you can teach people to do whatever it is they're intent on doing better. You can empower them to literally do exactly what you're capable of doing. And that's a leader. Someone who can not just display a high proficiency and a skill set that isn't 
generally available, but someone who's able to pass that skill set on to someone else. Today's society doesn't view leadership as that. Leadership seems to be viewed today as someone who can command authority. I don't know if everyone else notices, but authority isn't the ruling structure. Not in today's society. And it's becoming less and less valued. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying if leadership is the intention, then you have to be able to adapt your approach to fit your audience. And that's not something that's being done, especially not on a corporate level. Um, and, And it seems to be more prevalent within Western society in general, that leadership is only viewed as what you can provide monetarily instead of how you can provide longevity. It's why so many businesses fail. It's why, despite the fact that we have a growing number of employed people, there are only a few facets of employment that actually provide a stable living something that you know you can do day after day and it will absolutely ensure that you can take care of the the people that you intend to take care of whether that be solely you or you and your significant other or you yourself a significant other and children or you and your family whatever it may be there currently seems to be a strong shift away from leadership. And the unfortunate part of it is that there's a lack of recognition that it isn't the leadership that's the problem. It's the people trying to teach leadership how to be leaders that is the problem. It's the constant need to place people in a negative situation and expect them to do well out of it And then when things do go wrong, despite the fact that you're aware that things aren't exactly beneficial to that person, instead of saying, hey, look, we have a failure. How do you think we should address it? And utilizing that person's skills to solve the issue, you'd rather reprimand that person and cost them what is valuable to them. This is a shameful state of business. Shameful state of business. I am not someone who believes that everyone deserves a grossly exaggerated minimum wage. I think that there are very simple scientific ways to determine based on inflation what the minimum living wage actually is and it isn't $15 an hour I can tell you that Um, by current mathematics it's $8.66 an hour that is the current model for an actual living minimum wage 
based on inflation. That's going to sound appalling to a lot of people. And you know what? Maybe that's okay. Be appalled. Look it up. Do a little research. Understand what the rate of inflation is. Cost of living varies immensely. State to state. Municipality to municipality. So it's a very unwavered method. Uh, there are too many variables to be able to say that this is a basic standard. You can't use that as your basis. And people in New, in New York may think, yeah, sure, $15 an hour seems like a reasonable minimum wage, but their general fast food job currently pays upwards of $12 an hour. Their cost of living is astronomical. Their basic goods are extraordinarily expensive. So it may make sense in an area like that for that to be the minimum wage for that area. But I think that these things need to be identified on a local level. And that minimum wage on a federal level doesn't work. It never has. It's going to leave some without and some with too much. It's another example of why big government is a fallacy. It doesn't work because it will always leave massive disparity. What one person gains, someone else loses. Everything has a cost. Not everything has a benefit to everyone. So when you start to lean towards that type of mentality, you start to say that it's okay for you to be without so that others can be with, even if they chose not to work to gain it. And that's where things get a little volatile because the people who do want to work and do want to be a productive member of society don't feel that it is their obligation to have to foot the bill for the people that say, well, I shouldn't have to. It should just be provided for me because I'm me. It's a very selfish approach, really, when you think about it. It's an approach that is very compassionate. I don't deny that it shows a high level of compassion. And I'm not saying that humanity couldn't do with a little more compassion. But I am saying that if everyone looked at their current situation, they could do with some compassion themselves. Because it's very subjective. The entire situation is your very worst thing that happened to you may not hold a candle to the worst thing that happened to me, but it's still the worst thing that ever happened to you. It still has a very drastic impact on forming who you are as a human being, your thought processes, how you feel about other people, your judgments on situations of similar nature. All of these things are encompassed by that 
very worst thing that you experienced. So to say that your worst thing and my worst thing should be equivalent is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're equivalent only in the sense that they had a very personal impact. Outside of that, nothing else. Nothing else. It it doesn't compare. The fact that it's subjective leads to the realization that the worst is never the worst. You can always one-up it. If you really want to search and find those individuals that really have it bad, they're out there. And I think that if you were to do that, what you would find is that even within that demographic, there's a certain percentage that does extraordinarily well because they reject all of these things that people think should define them. And you'll find that other demographic within that same subgroup that falls exactly into the same pattern and continues to repeat the issues and the problems and put themselves in those situations that define their ability to to really survive and thrive. And I think that this happens amongst every group in human existence. It isn't exclusive to any specific race. It isn't exclusive to any specific gender. It's just something that is part of the human experience, and it's something that you must determine for yourself. And there are some strong individuals out there that will speak up about it and say, this is how I feel about it. And you're always going to be dividing your group when you do that because there will be those that either identify with it or there will be those that say, that's not even close. This is how much worse it could be. So it's an irrelevant topic all the way around. And I think that part of the biggest problem is that we, for some reason, have to compare ourselves to one another. Celebrating individuality is a good thing. Dictating how other people feel about that individuality is bullying at best. And the reason I speak on that is because there are those segments of society right now that think that we should redefine certain terms based on their subjective sense of self. I'm not okay with that. I'm not I'm not okay with saying that because I feel this way, you have to acknowledge it. No, I don't. I don't have to acknowledge it. I will be courteous because I think everyone deserves to be treated with respect. And if that's how you view yourself and you want to be respected by being acknowledged that way, then I'm more than happy to do that. But to tell me that I don't have a choice, that somehow I'm a lesser human being if I choose to not 
modify my language based on your subjective sense of self? What kind of ridiculous selfish ideology is that? I don't I don't understand that. I can't get behind it. I won't get behind it ever. Um, I'll never blatantly disrespect someone just to do it. But I think that there's a borderline there because it's not a matter of respect. Because it isn't reciprocal. It's a matter of respect in the sense that it doesn't do any good to go against whatever that subjective sense of self is. But at the same time, it doesn't provide any benefit to try to force someone to agree with something that they may have a fundamental disagreement with and not be able to back it up with anything other than hateful names. Who Who's really spreading the hate? It's not the people that say, I believe in something to be a specific manner and I don't feel okay dictating that by someone else's subjective sense of things. I don't think it should not... I don't think people should be chastised for that. And if you think that's okay, but you still determine that something that only you perceive to be true has the ability to be respected in the sense that you want to force other people to look at you a specific way or state things in a way that only you believe. The problem isn't that other people choose to stand up and say, I don't care for that. The problem is that you're unwilling to accept it and just be like, okay, that's fine. You do you. I don't have to talk to you about that. We're going to ignore that portion. And we're going to still try to make a connection on a human level, basic instinct. You see, the problem for me is that only one side is trying to use an emotional, subjective approach to this debate. And they're basing it only on what they feel particularly. They're not using any kind of basis in, in data to say that most people agree or disagree. I don't, I don't even think they would care even if the statistics said most people disagree. I think you could provide literal scientific evidence stating that most people do disagree with your viewpoint and they would still be upset by it. And then it would turn into a false flag. Uh, Oh, everybody hates me because I'm this and I'm not the norm. 
That's a crutch. That's a crutch argument. It leans right back on the same emotional response that started the argument and provides zero data. Nothing that you can gauge. You can't consistently measure that and say, yep, that yep, that actually plays out. We can see it time and time again. There's a pattern and this is how it happens. Until people get this crappy emotional response out of their head, they seem to think it's okay to scream at people until they shut up or tell people that they're just the nastiest form of human being because they disagree. Until that goes away, we won't see true progress. And it needs to be a commitment on both sides to just leave it alone. Just let it be. This divide that people have called it is entirely self-inflicted. This incessant need to be on one side or the other. Most of us have a need to be right. We like to think we know. There are very few things that humanity has figured out. In a full sense of saying that they understand it. There are even fewer that have the ability to say that they have mastered something. In the sense that they know every facet of it inside and out. It's not a chore for them to think of the details. It's just something that they're simply so accustomed to that it's become second nature. The violence on both sides needs to stop. It doesn't provide benefit. The only thing it really does is increase the division. It doesn't allow people to have real conversations about ideas and try to find a middle ground. It's simply because you are who you are, you're wrong. And this identity politics that has been going on for the past probably six to eight years is just abhorrent. It's hatred for the sake of it. It doesn't provide any benefit. There is zero net benefit to any of that. And it's sad to watch society devolve into just this primal, instinctual lump. It's a mess. It's a lump of fucking cells that doesn't have the ability to articulate their thoughts in a way that allows them to progress and it's sad corporate America is draining the United States citizens 
of their ability to think freely and have an entrepreneurial spirit. It is draining them of their want to do something great. It is draining the workforce of their ability to have passion about what they do. Because with every little thing that's given, twice as much gets taken away on a frequent basis. So you're always moving one step back. You never really gain any ground. Meanwhile, the company continues to profit more and more, which means that the higher-end management figures keep seeing a higher dividend, much larger percentages. And it's sad to say that most places will do that at the sacrifice of their people. They'll take a few major injuries a year to keep the status quo. I hope the people that are responsible for those types of decisions are utterly ashamed because they could they should be.